0: This show is part of the Stuff Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to Tech and Egypt, a bonus episode from For Tech's Sake, where we tear some problematic tech to shreds. I'm Jenny Darmody. And I'm
0: Elaine Burke. And boy, oh boy, where do we even start when it comes to the problems with tech and sustainability? Where do we start? So many options. So (laughs) many. I mean,
1: there's the data waste. There's poisonous degrading batteries and everything. There's the never-ending pile of electrical waste, like actual physical waste. And then, of course, they're all just papering over that
0: shit with some good old-fashioned greenwashing. Mm, I mean, where to start? Oh, well that's the thing the greenwashing is chronic oh i think so bad and it makes it really hard to navigate and make good choices because yeah. climate consciousness is the new pivot to video oh my god <laughs> it is <laughs> like everyone's at it yeah did that you thing. know we're net zero now we're oh, net zero yeah and uh like um just random phrases mm. being thrown out and things like sustainability What well, what do you mean what do you mean yeah. specifically company climate conscious company yeah Slapping green labels on things. Mm. Telling us how eco-friendly they are. To the point that the sustainability space itself is polluted now. You've you've polluted the phrase. (laughs) Because it's good to appear conscious, to seem like you have a soul, to look like you care about the planet and the environment and the industry's role in the climate crisis. But do they really care? It's all just lip service. Like... All any business really cares about is the bottom line, profit yeah. versus loss, and there's money to be made in sustainability and climate action because that's largely consumer driven. Mm. We've stood up and we've said, "Okay, I as a consumer, I'm only going to put my money into companies that aren't destroying the planet." That's what I'm going to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like it's it's like
1: everything. It's like you said, pivot to video. It's a new metaverse. It's like, oh, you like this? We'll make it look like we're doing that because making it look like we're doing it is much easier than actually doing anything about it
0: yeah oh this is what you want so we will tell you that that's what we are yeah mm. I hate it Jenny I hate it yeah <laughs> it's totally fair but that that's kind of goes to the heart of what we need then is the whole system change yeah aspect of it so that's what people are calling for because like the reason why we're in this position where people are faking it till they make it and they're not going to make it is uh, Is because the motivation is always to make money. So in the current system of capitalism, it's a lot easier to be stingy on your climate action, but spend huge amounts of money on marketing your lip service. Yeah. Because your ultimate end goal is to just get consumers to buy your stuff. That's the end goal. The end goal is nothing to do with the grander vision of climate action.
1: Yeah. And this is part of the reason why it's so difficult to even be able to figure out where the greenwashing is because so much money has been pumped into that marketing and so much money has been pumped into actually covering their tracks, essentially. Mm. So it's like what um, Jerry McGovern mentioned in our episode, you know, in our main episode, that like the challenge of actually trying to figure out the environmental damage in the supply chain, in the materials, everything, and not to mention the data footprint and the cloud footprint and things like that, like that's already hard enough to figure out anyway when it's devoid of companies who are trying to cover it up anyway so like for consumers to have to figure that out is just so difficult
0: yeah where where do we begin how do we find the good stuff well there are new
1: business models emerging in this kind of drive for sustainability like things like b corps so b corps um it's a b corporation in short like B Corp is the shorter version of it and it's essentially a company that has been certified by uh, this non-profit organisation called B Lab and they're there to ensure the companies are meeting high standards in various areas now this is things like environmental factors but also employee diversity and things like that Mm. and B Lab was founded in 2006 and the number of companies though applying for this certification have increased dramatically in recent years unsurprisingly because sustainability is the new pivot of video Mm -hmm. as we all know Uh, More than 6,000 applications were received from the start of 2020 to 2021, so it's staggering. And there are currently 6,321 B Corps in 89 countries, spanning 159 industries at the moment.
0: Yeah, and that's a real jump because I'm pretty sure there was an article in Silicon Republic about B Corps, not that long ago maybe last year and it was Mm. 5,000 so they've gone up a 1,000 in a year and I was actually surprised to know that they're around since 2006 because Mm -hmm. I'm only really becoming aware of it in the last number of years but it's interesting as like this is a new way of doing business that's kind of the perspective that it's taking but yeah the important caveat is in the context of this conversation the B Corp assessment covers multiple areas Mm. not just environment and workers as you mentioned but it also looks at This category called customers which is basically looking at ethical marketing practices data privacy and security Mm. and stuff like that Uh, they have a community uh, assessment factor which looks at things like civic engagement charitable giving fair trade sourcing Mm. in their supply chain and and that kind of thing and then governance which audits their transparency and kind of the overall mission Mm. and ethics of the company so you need an overall across all those five factors you need an overall score of 80 plus to be a certified b corp and you can score points across all of those factors. So you might have great worker policies and your environmental score could still have room for improvement. You'd still need to have something of a score across mm-hmm. all five. But being certified B Corp doesn't mean environmentally friendly. It means that across those five factors, the efforts have been made and they may be stronger in some rather than others.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a really important factor because, you know, it's not an eco label in and of itself. But like it's that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. That's not greenwashing. You know, it's yeah. still good to check for these kind of companies because it shows that they're making efforts in a variety of areas. And it also means, you know, if you're looking for companies that are quote unquote good yeah. um, and, and that can mean something different for different people. They might feel more strongly about the ethics of things as opposed to whether or not it's very, very environmentally friendly. And those two things are not necessarily both the same thing all mm-hmm. the time. Um, it's good to check these lists um, for things like that because it does show companies that are trying to do the right thing across these levels it's just you know you have to check whether or not they're really really strong on the environment side if that's what you're looking for yeah and you know a company might have achieved certification through high scores across other factors so um, Irish startup Journey Protector, for example, mm. has great scores on governance and workers because that's more where their mission is focused. And um, they provide IoT tracking technology for trucking, which helps to combat big issues such as people trafficking and things like that. And it aims to increase driver safety, among other things as well. So like it's obviously, you know, scores really highly in those areas, but it doesn't automatically mean it's a green label
0: yeah exactly and like it's not a bad thing that good work in those other areas that are human centric and conscious in other ways is also recognized by b-lab um but if any company can be a b-corp certified how does that stop an oil and gas supplier slapping a b-corp label on their business
1: yeah and that's something that like kind of has to be worked on and, and get ahead of and and in fairness i think b-lab are um, and other other kind of areas there. So there's a standards advisory council and they set out policies for controversial industries, you know, like the bottled water industry, yeah. all those all those plastics um, or the fossil fuel industry, like you said. So companies from these sectors will have a higher bar to reach and a stricter entry requirement. And it's intended to strike that balance between, you know, not completely writing off a whole industry. Um, and understanding that there could be emerging disruptors out there to change those industries for the better. And also, I think, you know, in these problematic in- industries, if we do write them off completely, they just are allowed to be bad continuously. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, yeah, it's better
0: it's, than nothing. And so like consumer sentiments has shifted so far that only B Corps are getting the business. I mean, oil and gas companies are still going to do business, whether they're B corp certified or not. Mm. Um And uh, yeah, I see where they're coming from, trying to strike that balance. But I mean to be fair for the fossil fuel industry like they say they have to be at least 50% carbon free uh, if they're going to be applying for B Corp status. And there's other caveats to that as well, but I'd actually, I'd be way more radical with that industry specifically, and just write them all off, <laughs> get rid of them all, <laughs> leave everything in the ground. Uh, but in saying that, I did have a look. Uh, all of this stuff is on the B Lab website they Themselves are very transparent and upfront about everything. And, uh, you know, I didn't see any kind of truly abhorrent and obvious polluters in the list as I looked at, had a quick look at the thousands of certified B Corp. Mm. So like they're obviously doing the work of trying to keep the greenwashing at bay
1: yeah and and in the spirit of that transparency b lab providers uh sorry b lab provides a full list of all certified b corps and their respective scores across the different assessment categories on its website. So like that's handy if you're trying to do that research into the companies you spend your money with and stuff. So like I said, like there's certain things that you might care more about than other things because, you know, we can't all care about everything at the max all the time. Like it's exhausting. So if there's yeah. something in particular that you're looking for, like it does break that down in that transparency way and it's helpful. So, for example, Strong Roots, the Irish company that gives us all those lovely frozen veggies, mm. um, has a really good environment score, unsurprisingly. I would think. Yeah. And Urban Vault, which is a solar energy supplier, scores really high on the environment side, too. Again, not Makes surprising. Sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you can see where the business motivations kind of drive the scores mm. there as well. And actually, that article in Silicon Public, they spoke to Strong Roots about the certification process and their csr lead described it as forensic wow. so it's not a case of just filling out a form and saying we're great mm. um because that would be greenwashing just like going on what the company says they're good at. and um, but they have to back it up with the documentation for the audit and and uh, she said that it took about six months for their application and certification to be approved so well wow. the work is being put in there to properly audit these companies
1: and that's the thing like knowing a company is getting audited for stuff like this like does give it that level of weight that's important and it gives the consumers more kind of knowledge and stuff because like we said, knowing where everything is along the supply chain, along the product and things like that is so difficult to parse through that having this sort of system is really, really important.
0: Yeah, and it definitely helps with that. what Jerry was talking about in our episode of like if you want to do your research on the companies that you're doing dealings with uh, if they're B Corp certified you can check out that stuff in detail which is really nice. Mm. It's definitely a step in the right direction in terms of that system change yep. that people are looking for and there's like clear guidelines uh, kind of laid out in that framework of how business can start thinking sustainability centric and not profit centric profit centric mm-hmm. because essentially an ideal world would be sustainability would replace profitability as the end goal for good business for good business That's how we should be defining good because right now good business is not aligned with good for the planet, good for humanity, good for everyone. It's good for lining the pockets of already wealthy people and hoarding wealth. Like we need to really redefine what is good business.
1: Yeah, I mean, good for the planet should be good for business pretty much because they won't be around if there is no planet. And sustainable business models are exactly what they say on the tin they are sustainable they can continue on an even keel they can generate money that they need to run the company and like that still generates profit at the end of the day we're not saying like every company should break even like yeah and and just like we should all live amongst this society like profits are massive and they can continue to be huge um and still be sustainable like it can bring big money what is wrong with that yeah because
0: sustainable isn't about the mar- uh the graph constantly going up and up and up infinitely yeah and that's what it is at the moment profit margins have to go up shareholders must get richer more 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 (laughs) (laughs) and if sales always have to go up and up and up and then even when the market is saturated you still need to keep convincing people to buy Mm. like it's insensible this whole model like I've, i've heard this said before and i was trying to actually research it again before um, coming onto the podcast I could not find the piece but I had come across it was a, probably an investment advisor or something like that basically explaining why Dyson wasn't a good company to be invested in because Dyson products and I'm sure there are others this could apply to but they're too reliable oh they're built to last yeah, yeah. so like if I sell you yeah there's definitely there's like a clothes brand as well that's like that as well literally making clothes that are built to last what a concept, um, and if I sell you a who a vacuum cleaner uh, especially if we're gonna call it a Dyson here, Hoover the brand yeah uh, that's gonna last you for years and years and years yeah. then I, I I've lost you as a customer for years and years and years yeah. after one sale because I don't need another dyson, and that under the current business model of what's good, that's bad business, yeah, and like this is why we end up with shitty products that don't last that's why. Yeah, because I I had my first MacBook MacBook from when I was 23 up until a couple of years ago. And you remember this day because I was weeping. <laughs> I spilled tea on the fucking thing and I fried it and I was devastated because it was over 10 years old and it still worked brilliantly. It was also kind of a rare model as well. It was like a white 13 inch. People commented on it when they saw it. It was a thing of beauty. And it gave me a good 10 years and it would have given me more if I wasn't such a clumsy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll never get the likes of it again.
1: Yeah, it was and a dark like, day.
0: Ev- even uh, my workplace computers because you know, we, we would have gotten the best models and stuff like that for work. Mm. Like I've gone through them way quicker than I would have with my home computer which lasted years and years because yeah. they're, just, they're just not made like that anymore.
1: Yeah, because of our good old friend Planned Obsolence. Not my friend. Not anyone's <laughs> friend. Except the tech business who want to make money of us buying loads and loads of shit over and over again.
0: Yeah, just make it so that it won't last. Or if the hardware is made to last, make it so the software makes the hardware crap itself. Oh,
1: I was just about to say, you just watch the phones when a new one is coming out. You can hear it coming down the road and then all of a sudden, shit gets slow. Shit mm-hmm. starts crashing. Yeah. It happens. And like th- like it is, there's no way that's not planned Obsolence to be like oh you need a new phone oh well well just so happens yeah we're gonna
0: make it so you need a new phone and uh, we've got <laughs> one coming out very yeah. soon at a cool price of at least 1100 euro yeah. and the thing is like that's been going on for years but what's interesting now is we're also into this mode now where it's also a trend issue mm. as well and they've really capitalised on that Apple in particular has really capitalised on that because they're such a status symbol brand mm. but it's like they've taken a leaf out of the fast fashion handbook literally the worst book <laughs> of how to run a business ethically and sustainably, um, because they're convincing you that you need to have the latest model of everything to keep up. The same way fast fashion is mm. like you need new clothes every bleeding fucking month, <laughs> yeah. to keep to be trendy. And actually, you really don't. Yeah, you do not need these staple tech devices to be replaced as often as people are replacing them because mm. they, they, even with planned obsolescence, they last longer than what yeah. we're giving them credit for. But the changes in smartphones, in particular, over the last few years, they've been incremental at best and people are still getting new models every year every half year even when they come out and even like their their phone company is probably like you would do a free upgrade and they do Mm -hmm. that to try to motivate you into a contract uh so there's other factors at play here convincing people to keep upgrading and keep doing it and keep this cycle going and going and going it's dreadful (laughs) it's why the you know we have to talk about
1: the consumer's side of it as much as we do because I hate it because this is all on the side of corporate. It's all on the side of industry, but their main goal is to get you to buy more shit and that's not going to change anytime soon. So it's why, you know, consumers should be, try to be as conscious as possible of the fact that that's what they're doing. That's what their end goal is all the time yeah. is just trying to get you to buy more stuff. And
0: it's just, it's not just the phones, it's the AirPods, talk about an accessory that's made to be replaced like those things are designed to be lost
1: oh my god and like i love my wireless earphones but i drop them way too often (laughs) it is a miracle that they're still around and actually they're not airpods they're one sonic which is an irish brand so a little plug for them because i'm a fan of those but
0: I, I used to have wired headphones up until very, very recently because basically no phone is sold with a jack anymore, which makes it really inconvenient to have wired headphones. Yeah. And the beauty of them was if I ever got up to leave <laughs> with this still on my head, I got tangled up in them or I got caught and yanked back, you know, I wasn't going to forget them anywhere. They were like in, in a cumbersome way attached to various things. Yeah. Whereas the wireless stuff and the little bitty... Earbuds and stuff like that you, you're gonna lose them and you're gonna have to replace them
1: yeah and then they're all gonna end up in landfill
0: landfill tech yeah, that's a whole category now
1: <laughs> it's so depressing but i do think that there's a bit of a pushback on gadgets in general um you know going back to that kind of low tech feel as mm. well and that stuff that's built to last old stuff before they copped on to this stuff which was great. I was talking to Anton Savage on the Anton Savage show mm-hmm. uh, recently about this That so there's gadgets from kind of the christmas has gone by. I know he had a bit of a thing about air fryers. He's very anti them, you know. Yeah, he was really weird about the air fryers. <laughs> like
0: he was really going at the air fryers. He does not
1: like the air fryers in fairness. It and it look it, they are massive at the moment. They're pro- they're everywhere and that's the kind of thing he was I suppose talking about. But we got into other stuff like you know the George Foreman grill.
0: Yeah. That everyone had, had
1: yeah. 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 Of course I had one. Everyone <laughs> did. But when we talked about the sandwich makers, the originals with the little triangles. The little Breville one, yeah. Oh, delish. So many people texted in to be like, "Oh my god, I'm going to dig that out."
0: Had one in the press that had gotten displaced by my air fryer. <laughs> My slow cooker or whatever was the gadget du jour and i'm not against either of those gadgets like anything that does good cooking and stuff yeah like that's good and i would say with the air fryers according to my sister who's converted to using her air fryer for cooking everything over her oven because she checked because she was doing this for this reason it does consume slightly less energy than the oven <laughs> to feed a family of four so you know yeah. this day and age that can really count towards things so yeah
1: Yeah, less energy consumption is good, I think. But I think that was a real symbol of like, oh, where we're really going back to old school tech. And I bet you the people who dug out those sandwich makers, they still work. Yeah.
0: Yeah, kitchen stuff is generally made to last, but that's the thing. We get caught up in trends and then they get relegated to the cupboard. Or if you're a Protestant, your toaster is probably already in your cupboard as it is. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, But yeah, you just have to like, not be kind of beholden to the trend so much. Just, but if you want a toasted sandwich from your toasted sandwich maker, you have a toasted sandwich yeah. your toasted sandwich maker. Just because they're not on Instagram doesn't mean they're not cool and tasty. Yeah. It's a timeless classic. Yeah. God, I do. I If I had the kitchen space, which I don't, I have zero kitchen space. I would mm. absolutely have something that would make good toasties at yeah. home because I just spend a fortune on buying toasties from various <laughs> purveyors of toasted. Toastis. Places that have sandwich <laughs> makers. They're very yeah. important. I love a toasty man I really yeah. do I do have a carbonator I know you were talking about Yeah Well I won't I won't say they Who must not be named so stream. <laughs> and I then you did I'm not, not a fan of them But you can get Fancy carbonators These days They're, they're very sexy And it's my favourite thing <laughs> That I bought for myself <laughs> Yeah I am a big fan of those As well I have to say Oh my god I just love my sparkling water So yeah You can have things That can last And with my, my carbonator I can get my uh, Gas canister ethically recycled yep. through the company that I bought the carbonator from so I made sure to check all that stuff before I was getting into it because I was concerned about the waste and it was also to cut down on the amount of bottled sparkling water yep. that I buy because I'm addicted to the stuff I think it's delicious yeah so there you go sometimes there
1: are gadgets and tag products that can help yeah if you're looking in the right place thinking about it ethically and making sure that they're making good choices
0: yeah and making use of the tech that you have yeah. probably have a bunch of stuff at home that would be really nice to revive have a look in your dusty cupboards yeah <laughs> thanks for listening to Tech and Egypt our bonus content from For Tech's Sake a co-production from Silicon Republic and the Headstuff Podcast Network remember you can listen to all of the brilliant bonus content from across the Headstuff Podcast Network because you're a subscriber aren't you great and you can follow us at Silicon Republic and at Protect8Card on your preferred social platform. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.